Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for yet another episode on uh, what is actually a cloudy day in Chattanooga, Tennessee here. I I am joined by Jennifer Garcia. Jennifer, what's it like where you're at? It is sunny and warm here in California. I don't want to brag, but we have nice weather year-round at the beach. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I was just in that area not too long ago, um, actually within the last couple of weeks or so. Oh. You're in the Orange County area, right? Yes, Huntington Beach specifically. Huntington Beach, okay. Well, I, I will say that it was lovely to be out there with the low humidity <laughs> and the sun. I was able to ride a motorcycle around, and uh, it was it was really wonderful. So I'm a little bit jealous of you. But um, this is a great way to just kind of set up our conversation. First of all, you're a brand new guest, and I appreciate you making time for us. Yes, thank you for having me. Give us a little bit of context, if you will. You're based in Orange County area, Huntington Beach. What type yes. of photography is your brand bringing to that area? So I specifically shoot portraits and um, Orange County overall is kind of a suburb area or it's dominantly a suburb area. So you're going to find a lot of younger families. Okay. So yeah, there's a, there's a big demographic of photographers in the area and we shoot lots of kids, families, portraits, and then we're also close to LA. So that brings another demographic, which is going to be like models, actors. So we have a lot to choose from living in this area. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. And and yet a lot of competition too, which is a great segue to what is normally our first question here on the podcast <laughs> about brand position. So of course, the, the whole purpose behind brand position is distinction, right? How do we, and it's a noisy photography market and industry, how do we create distinction? How do we set ourselves apart? The reality is we can't say the same thing that everybody else is saying, and at least initially get the attention of a potential client. So I'm curious what your distinct brand position is in that market. Yes. So I love that question because I have, of course, tried to find that over the last decade of this journey. And it's hard to differentiate yourself, but I've learned you have to find the thing you're best at. So I I just want to move towards what I think my strengths are. And what I think they are is my experience of being a photographer for a decade, my talent for design. um, I have like a good eye for design in so many realms from photography to actual interior design and so forth. And then my confidence. And I know those are kind of three completely different things, but I know those are three of the things I'm really great at as far as like confidence design and then experience, which encompasses a lot, but I pulled those together and that's led me along my journey, which we'll get to talking about that got me kind of to my ultimate dream of where I am now. Yeah. Well, and and we are, we're going to talk about the idea of taking your next risk, which is a fun topic uh, and a a pretty broad one at that. So we'll get to the specifics in a bit, but um, to get back to this question, you, you mentioned first of all, that a brand position should represent something that you're particularly good at, or even you're the best at, um, right. which I think is a great point. I think in addition to that, uh, we also have to consider what the market wants or needs. And uh, and then also, if 
this thing that we are offering is different than, than a service or services that others in our market are offering as well. So those are maybe three of the main components if I were just off the top of my head to come up with what a brand position should represent. So focusing on what you're really good at, and in this case, experience, design, and the confidence that you bring, probably largely as a result of your experience, I would assume. Yes, definitely. How do you effectively communicate that, though, to a potential client? Because these are pretty big ideas. You know, I'm going to even just narrow down a little bit more and just focus on confidence because I see when I look at my photos, I see what I bring compared to a lot of other photographers. And there's a very distinct difference as far as the look in the images, at least. But I will say that like a lot of, a lot of, well, let me go, let me backtrack. A lot of people I shoot with, they're mostly not models, actors, which means they're not comfortable in front of the camera. Mm, Many people will tell me, I'm not going in front of the camera. I'm nervous. And, and I completely understand that those are valid feelings and I never want to discredit those. So I I'm confident in saying I'm excellent what I do behind the camera and I'm going to make you feel comfortable and I'm going to give you direction. And that's why you see the result that you do because you weren't the first person to tell me this and you're not going to be the last. And so that's what I can bring is the confidence I have behind the camera and you feel it. And that's what gives you the results in front of the camera that you're going to get and that you see over and over. That's interesting. Okay. So I, I don't see any messaging specifically about this on your homepage, but I can imagine like going to your homepage and seeing some tagline, like inspiring confidence, um, in front of the camera or something to that effect, and then letting everything that you do for your brand and of course the interaction ultimately playing on that idea. Cause it's an interesting idea and you don't hear and photographers will talk about it as a, as a concept and maybe the way that they photograph their clients, but it's not something that a brand is based around. I think there's a really cool opportunity for you to do that. You are completely right. And I've never thought about that. So I'm actually really glad you said that. I'm kind of in transition with my brand for many reasons. And um, that's not a, something I considered. And I'm noting that right now. So thank you. <laughs> oh, no, sure. Well, and it's a cool idea because I, I think for multiple reasons, but for one, it, it is a, it's a point of conversation in our culture these days, whether directly or indirectly. I mean, it's, if you just go to Facebook and scroll for a few minutes, you, you know that people are feeling quite insecure in themselves. And so the idea on top of that, just general insecurity in life of getting in front of a camera and a, a position that they've either never been in before or not in very often, if they're facing a, a photographer who is kind and is ultimately enabling, empowering in the way that they interact with, with their clients, it'll make all the difference in the world for sure. And I mean, I think about that. I tend to play off of people outside of being photographed, even just in conversation. If somebody is confident in the way that they engage with me and they're comfortable in the way that they engage with me, I naturally play off that, that vibe, that energy. Exactly. Um, And so I think this is a great reminder for all of us that, that, um, it's important. We do bring that to the interactions with our clients, not just photographically, even in our meetings that will trend translate ultimately to the photographic session. So this has been a great point of conversation to, to kick us off. Talk to us though about your experience. I mean, you talked about your experience earlier. How many years have you been in business? And as a result of that experience, what would be one of the first pieces of advice you'd want to share with a fellow photographer? So I have been shooting for a little over 10 years. And of course, like everyone else, I start shooting most everything. There were a few things from the get-go I just wasn't interested in. But, you know, you shoot everything. And then as you grow and evolve as a photographer and a person, hopefully you're able to niche down and say, this is what I'm best at. This is what I enjoy most. This is where I want to be. So 
for the last 10 years, I've, I've really just come to discover I adore portraits. And as I'm getting older and evolving, I feel like it's specifically adult women. That's really just kind of where I thrive and who I enjoy working with the most. So that's really direction I'm going. And at some of the, I have a whole list of advice. So, and I went through <laughs> that because I was like, which would I want to say? Yeah. Um, I think that one of the biggest things is you have to realize as a photographer, as a business owner, talent is not enough. Mm. There are so many talented artists and people. There's so many more talented people than me. That's a given. And so talent is not enough to be successful in what you do. I really believe it comes down to you as a person. It becomes down to your business savviness and your marketing abilities. That's what's going to make a successful business or photographer. That's such a great point. And I mean, such a particularly poignant uh, topic when, and in, in just in the context of, you know, the recent iPhone 11 release and seeing <laughs> the continued iteration of mobile phones as cameras and, you know, the very simple reality, which is that the average individual can take a really beautiful image, including portraits now. It really can. It, it blows my mind when I see even kids, some pictures they take. I'm yes. like, well, I, I, you're, you compare to me perfectly. So what do I do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this idea that, that a, a beautiful image can be captured is is continuing to become more and more mainstream. It's no longer a, a it's something that a professional photographer has to offer to the world at large that is right. necessarily that unique. So I think your point is is well taken. We have to go beyond technique. Now, it, we all understand what you can do with a professional level camera and lighting and, of course, understanding what it means to be in the moment and, and capture the in-between. And, I mean, the list goes on. I, I realize the nuance, the nuances, I guess, involved in this conversation. But we also have to keep in mind that the average consumer doesn't really care about those details that we care about. And at the end of the day, if they can pay a few bucks and get a decent image or even nothing and have their friend take a picture, they're going to be happy with that. So how do we then add or create experience, I should say, for that potential client that is going to draw them in, that is going to warrant paying a premium for photography? And I think you are touching on those very ideas. You have to go beyond the talent. It is about personality. That's a part of it. It's the business model. And it's ultimately the experience that we create for that client that will make a big, big difference. Yes. And I, and I think it also comes down to just, again, niching down from that, that thought, who, who is your client? Who are you trying to attract? So for me personally, I'm moving into a realm with female business owners and myself as a female business owner. What do I want? I want professionalism. I want timely responses. I want to know that, you know, when someone says they're going to do something, they'll deliver that. And so those are, that's everything I want to give back. So I think you really have to understand who you're talking to. If you're talking to a mom, that's a completely different demographic who has different needs and different priorities. So whatever your demographic is, find out how they tick and what makes them drive and really cater to that to give that great experience. And that's all part of your personal business model that you really have to work hard to find for yourself. Yes. Oh, that's very good. Very good. And there's probably like three or four podcast episodes in the stuff that you just said too. <laughs> um, but I, I love the summation of all that. That's really great. Talk to me about free time. I mean, business owners and we all, you know, it's, it's a point of conversation, almost like a formality that we talk about how busy we are and we're great to have work-life balance. But I, I don't get the sense that, that in many cases, photographers go much beyond that conversation, that formality in conversation. 
How do you actually practically on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis create spaces of time for yourself, for the significant people in your life? Do you have tricks or tips or workflow ideas that you can share with us? So it's changing and I keep using the word evolve and it's so cliche, but it really is about evolving into, and for me, I've had such a huge change in my life recently and I've had to accommodate that life experience to make my life flow better. So for me, currently my best strategy is working out every morning. So I start my day with the gym. Yeah, It doesn't matter like what I have to do. It doesn't matter the emails. I have to get to the gym because sometimes that's my only personal time Yes, and I'll take it. And, you know, especially not having like a, a nine to five schedule or a set schedule, my, my schedule changes every day. That gives me some sense of um, just scheduling or stability that I can start solid. So that that's always been my number one thing. But as of recent, I have so much on my plate that I've had to step back and say, okay, you can work all day, every day. You can be a workaholic or you can really focus and prioritize like the three big tasks you need to do for that day. And you know what? If they don't take eight hours, you have to be at peace with that. If they only took two hours to do, you won, but you got these huge tasks done. And so I've really moved into a place of prioritizing the things that need to be done, um, knocking them out and then moving on. And if I feel like working, you know, I feel like I, I like to edit photos late at night lately. If I feel like doing that, then I go with it. So that's kind of the other thing. I go with what I feel like. And and how do you balance the going what you feel like, going with what you feel like versus the priorities? Because we all know, and, I, and I'll be the first to raise my hand here. If we just ran on our feelings, we'd be in big, big trouble as business owners. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you know, I think that I've got, I've been in a place where I'm like burned out on editing and I just don't want to do it. And so I feel excited and grateful to even have the desire to want to edit. So at that moment, I just go with it within reason, right? So like last night, I looked at the clock and it was midnight and my eyes were tired. And so I'm like, okay, we need to shut this down. So, hey, I'm still working on navigating through this and figuring out what works best to me. But I can say prioritizing the top tasks I need to get done for that day. That's really been my biggest strategy at the moment. I happen to know this really great editing company too that would take really great care of you. Just just a little, you know, little side note there. You know, I, as you know, I'm sure as a photographer, it's so scary to move into having someone else edit your photos. Yeah. But yes, I, I have heard of a company. And <laughs> that might be that should be another thing I'm going to note down because that would that'd be a game changer. But truth be told, I've never put the thought into what the, how that would affect my life. I haven't gone back and thought about that. So I'm glad you mentioned that too. And I'm going to check out. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, I'm, I'm giving you a hard time. In fact, we, you and I were even talking about this beforehand. the The podcast, the book of podcast, the, the last thing that it's meant to be is a big commercial for photographers that we rarely even talk about it actually but i had to at least bring that up and give no, you a little you bit should. of a hard time about it um, i want your ideas i want, I want i'm open to ideas and hey, <laughs> we all have different perspectives so keep them coming <laughs> it's true well and, and to that point actually i was curious when you talk about setting priorities i mean I, i've discussed on the podcast before that the idea of actually i like to start my day with workout as well so you and i share that in common and then the idea of having kind of the most important tasks for the day um, as a priority before getting caught up in communication. And frankly, I've not done a good job of this as of late. There's been a lot going on with my company and then getting ready to start a new company. It's been a little bit chaotic, but uh, starting with the MITs, the more, most important tasks, focusing on those, knowing that if you get those done, you've moved the business forward, even if a step or two, and then everything else is just kind of gravy. How do you set those priorities for yourself? Good question. Um, I, I think I have... 
it's so hard because you, you know, moment to moment, I'll get an email. I'm like, oh, this has to be done. But I like, like what you just said, the, the things that are going to move your business forward. So for example, this week, it's for me, it's been newsletters and I'm a writer. I love writing. That is like my heart of hearts that brings me the most joy. Okay. But yet writing newsletters for my businesses is like the thing I despise the most, but yet they reach a whole different audience than I do on social media. So they're vital to my business. And I don't know what the deal is, why I can't just sit down and write them. So when to me, like it's not a big task that's going to take hours and hours. I knock it out in 30 minutes, send it to my editor and we have a great start. We're just sitting down to write it. It's very mentally draining for me. Hmm. So that is considered a big task and I know I have to get it done. So I'm going to put it off all week, all week. So I have to set a commitment to myself and say, I'm going to have this done by Tuesday. Um, and that was yesterday. And I knocked two newsletters out yesterday and nice. it was a mental commitment that I made and I have to stick to those. So, well, for everybody listening in, I mean, this is a good example of doing something that what we've talked about before in the podcast, something that's proactive, something that is, that is actually moving your business forward. There's a lot of busy work that has to be done in order to keep a business afloat, you know, whether that's doing taxes or editing or album design or otherwise, these things have to happen, but they don't actually grow our business. They don't increase our bottom line. So trying to balance, uh, or in fact, not even balance, ideally trying to spend more time on the proactive, at least prioritizing that first thing in the day and letting the reactive stuff either be taken care of by somebody else uh, or at least spend as little time as possible with that uh, yes. is is really, really important if we, A, want to have a successful business, but B, not burn out in the process. And this is a great example. And, and I, I feel you, Jennifer, on the whole, like push, pushing the thing off that you, you're just <laughs> like, oh, man, I got to get this thing done. And you know it could be beneficial. It's easy to push it off. I can very much relate to that. But I love that you and just... It's so funny because there's no rhyme or reason. Like, <laughs> it's a simple task, yeah. but yeah. it's like, it hurts my heart to think of doing it. But then, you know, you sit down and you start, you know, like, oh, this isn't so bad. Why exactly. don't I this every time? Yep. But. Yeah. We always tend, to, it seems like we tend to kind of blow things up bigger than they need to be. And then Absolutely. like, oh, it really wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. I feel you on that. <laughs> Talk to me about an important uh, book that you've read, whether it's self-help or business book, or maybe you've listened to it. Um, what's something that comes to mind? Uh, I have two amazing books that I want. Well, I want everyone in the world to read one and I want the right group of people to read the other. So the first one, which I tell me if you've heard this a number of times on your podcast, uh, big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. No, no, it's been mentioned, I think maybe once or twice, but really, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a just life-changing book, uh, big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And you might know her from yes. she wrote eat, pray, love not too long after that, she wrote big magic. And it's just a create a conversation about living creatively. And I have recommended this book to so many people because for me, it truly was life-changing. And I, I listened to her advice. I acted on it. I moved with it and it truly led me to where I was supposed to be. And that was just one little tiny tidbit from this whole book. And everyone else who's read it, they take away their own, their own, own like gem of, of information. And so I just believe for any creative or any person who wants to have a business or is just even scared. Um, she talks so much about fear and pushing through that fear mm. and what fear is. It's just such a wonderful conversation to really move you to a place of 
pushing through things, um, being open to try new things. She just shares fantastic perspectives that really help this creative journey that can be a tumultuous one. So I highly, highly recommend that everyone um, grab that book. And I love the audio version because she reads it and she has this voice that you just want to hug. <laughs> like when, I, when I hear her talking, I want to wrap myself in her arms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she has this beautiful voice. It's a maybe three-hour read. It's a short book. But oh, I nice. just really believe that it will it's a game changer. So I, I strongly recommend that, that book. Okay. Haley, we're, we're linking to not just the regular, well, I guess we can link to both the, the, the regular audio or uh, Kindle or paperback version in the show notes as well, but we'll also link to the audible uh, version. Yes. So everybody can get that audio version. What's the other book? So the other book, it's um, it's called Relentless. It's by Tim Grover. Okay. And I don't recommend this everyone because it's definitely not going to speak to everyone but it's going to speak to a lot of people and the well it's going to speak to the few people and the few people that it speaks to it's just so valuable and of course obviously I'm one of those so Tim Grover was the first personal trainer for Michael Jordan hmm. back when people didn't have trainers at that time they had different plans to be the best and he came in as a, a young guy right out of college kind of came up with his own way of doing things and said no you can be a better basketball player if you go this direction, which was a mix of physical training, food, you know, very specific timing and, and incredibly hard, intense work. And everyone's like, no, 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 that's not true. But finally, Michael Jordan was like, you know what, let's try. And they did have a relationship for many years as um, coach and or trainer and athlete. And obviously, we know how successful and amazing Michael Jordan is, you know, over the over year, over the years, uh, Tim Grover also trained, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, um, and just a list of huge NBA athletes. So this book is just, it talks, it speaks to those people who are relentless. And I think many of us who are business owners, you have to be relentless. You cannot, you know, have a thriving, successful business if you aren't relentless. And it goes into just how there's a few different kinds of people, people that have this role, the people that have another role, and then the people that are the closers and the closers are the ones that step back. They're the leaders. They do things behind the scenes, but they're the ones driving life forward and, and just working so hard. And I I think hearing his words and how Kobe thinks and Michael Jordan thinks and Dwayne Wade thinks here, you know, I'm not, I'm not an athlete. I'm not a basketball player, but hearing those words just, it's so inspiring and tells me I'm in the right place. I think the same way that they do. I'm going the right direction and look mm. at the result they had because of the work they put in and the commitment, but we're on the same path in our own you know, version. That's cool. Yeah. Almost like, is this all worth it? And then you read that and you kind of get some confirmation. Yes. And, and when you're in these, these worlds that are, you're, there's no map. I don't have a path. No one's telling me what to do. So you hear, you read these words and it's just like soothes my soul that, okay, see, I knew that I, I wasn't sure I was, you know, I'm not sure which direction I'm going, but this just affirms that you're going the right direction. You're thinking the right way. Yeah. Keep going. Huh. That's good. Okay. We'll link to both of these in the show notes. And by the way, for everybody listening in, Take advantage of the show notes, Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com. You can find them there for each episode. Um, You can also find them if you use a podcast player with show notes. uh, You can find them there in your podcast player. And there are links to the resources we discussed, the outline for the talking points. Make sure you take advantage for sure. And thanks to Haley for all the work she puts into that. Let's talk about an unusual item in your camera bag. Jennifer, is there something besides a camera or lens that enables you to be a better photographer? (laughs) Well, so better photographer is kind of a matter of perspective, right? That's a very 
I, I, so I can give you lots of different answers, but here, I don't know if this makes you a better photographer, but kind of. So I'm going to say my iPhone for the feature of Instagram stories. Huh. And I love Instagram stories. So I'm also a filmmaker. I'm a writer director. And I've always looked at Instagram stories as an incredible way to make these short little I like, I'm, I'm a documentary. So let's say documentaries, these short little documentaries. And I use them when I'm in sessions with people, I try to share my client's stories and just give like a little glimpse into my client's world. Like I wanted to share a little bit about my client, not, not necessarily always about the experience of photography or shooting, but I have some really unique clients that do special things or impressive things or just relatable things. And so I love having the opportunity to have the time with these people and take that one step farther and capture that just in these short little stories that are clever and interesting for people to watch and just kind of take you on a little mini journey. I've, I've found that a lot of use. Well, and I'm going to have to make sure that I'm following you and watching those stories because I could use some inspiration. I feel like um, maybe I'm a little <laughs> bit of rut in the way that I approach stories. It, it, it's I'm so torn with stories because I, I tend to not be a great multitasker. So when I have to go through mm. my work day and I want to be focused and I want to focus on the, on the most important things, like we talked about earlier, and then I'm like, Oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta post this in stories So people know that I'm actually <laughs> working and getting things done and share with them what I'm doing and make it a little bit personal. And I have to do this simultaneously throughout my day. I'm just not a great multitasker. So I need a little bit of inspiration. I think for my stories, I'm gonna have to check those out for sure. It's hard. I to I get it. I, I've been doing them so long, which it's just practice. I believe everything you get better at and become good at because you have put practice into it, right? Yeah. So I've been practicing them essentially over many years. But um I like to challenge myself and say, how can I show things that I do that are mundane, number one, and that I do day to day, but make them interesting or make them different. So I'm not showing you the same, oh, you know, the same thing every day in the same way. So I'm, I'm always trying to mix it up. And it's just a little challenge for myself that I enjoy to be interesting with the same restraints that you have, like restraints that you have, but find ways to be clever and interesting with them. Okay. But in that regard though, do you, I mean, maybe this becomes automatic too, because I get the idea of just kind of, in fact, I've been trying to practice this just for the sake of consistency, which is honestly one of my personal values, something that I've been wanting to, to do better with consistency in my personal and business life on multiple levels. But with, with stories that my thought was, okay, I just need to at least consistently put something out there. Uh, that was kind of my number one challenge. But then when it comes to being creative, looking at it from a different angle, like you're just describing, does that become kind of second nature as well? Or, or how do you go about that with the minimal amount of time that you could probably put into the story? Well, I think that goes back to finding your group, your niche, your groove. So for me, I'm, I'm excellent at brevity. I try to find brevity in everything I do that I write and speak, hopefully. And so I'll just try to find like those nuggets that are interesting. And I always want to offer value in people and things people watch mm. on my stories. Sometimes I, I do put just fun little things so you, you know, can see what I'm doing. But like I always want, if you're going to watch, if you're going to spend the time to watch the things I'm sharing, I hope you walk away maybe having learned something new. Maybe I entertained you. Maybe I made you laugh. Maybe you met a new person. You know, so I always want to just kind of show you something that you didn't know before or have access to before. So that's my method. But there's no wrong or right or wrong answer. You obviously have a great speaking voice. And so what does that look like on video for you? I don't know. You should explore that. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. That's an inspiration and encouragement simultaneously. When you <laughs> and, and then when it comes to the number of times that you'll post to stories a day, do you do you kind of shoot for a particular number? 
no, I don't have time for that. So okay. I, I give, I give what I have to give and some days it's zero. And, um, I, I try to be consistent about it, but you know, we're all busy and, and some days I just don't really, I don't really feel like I have anything of value to share. So I don't just want to put things up just to be there. Thank you. Yes. So yeah, try to find a balance that works for you and there's no right or wrong answer. And I think that I'm not trying to gain anything from my stories. They're just, they're literally fun for me to be creative mm. and, um, so yeah, I just have fun with them and try to not, not put rules on myself because why it's not something that's going to move my business forward per se, maybe in the long run, it, it, it serves some, something to it, but, uh, overall, no, I just like keep them fun, creative and let people have a glimpse into my world. And, and I'll give like this example. One of my good friends is a director and she is on the move promoting her short. And I just love seeing all the things she's doing, but I was thinking, you, you share a lot of pictures. You're you're in a world where you're directing films. I want to see what that looks like. And you are a filmmaker. You have these little 15 second opportunities yeah. to show us what you can do. Show me because I know you can do something great. Let me see. So <laughs> who is, who is the, I'm going to have to pull this up really quick on, on IMDb because that made, made me think what you were just talking about kind of showing behind the scenes, Jeff Bridges, Okay. Um, is uh, of course a very well-known actor, but he's also quite a talented photographer, and he uses this panoramic camera to shoot behind-the-scenes footage um, from film sets, and it is the coolest stuff. First of all, the format's quite unique. Very few people actually shoot with a panoramic camera, um, and he's using a, a film panoramic camera. But uh, he, it, it's just fascinating to look at. And if, in fact, we'll we'll figure out a way to link to this in the show notes for everybody listening in too. Um, he had a book that he put out a number of years ago, and you could see, I think, a digital version online. And, and I just read recently that he's getting ready to release a, a second volume. And I just think it's beautiful to to have oh, that behind the scenes perspective that, as you were pointing out, that most people wouldn't have. They don't know what it's right. like to be in that same position. And that's a really great way to, to kind of frame our approach to Instagram stories. I, I like that. I, the other thing that you pointed out multiple times, which I'm glad you did, that is the significance of adding value because like, let's be real. First of all, we all have limited time as business owners. We talk about how busy we are. And then, and then you see some photographers posting like 35 times a day, literally, or even more to their stories. I'm like, you're so busy, but you're spending half the time on Instagram. And then to bring it back to the original point of conversation, how how is that actually valuable? And I know that value is subjective, but at the end of the day, what are we doing to improve the quality of someone's life by sharing whatever it is that we are sharing with them? And um, that is one of the kind of guidelines that that I've used, at least for, for part of my posts along the way. And I'm glad that you emphasize that. With limited time, let's make sure that we're adding as much value to the world as possible. I like Agreed. that. Agreed. Definitely. And I, I, I try to do that always. I, and like I said, you're going to see silly stuff. But I also, on the same token, I don't always want to... Like the things I put up, they're they're thought out. So I'll I'll take a bunch of videos while I'm shooting, and I don't even look at them. I always just try to nail things on one take and keep in my phone. I'll go back later that evening and I'll put up an actual something that tells you a story through that experience. And so that that's my typical method. And then other times I just like I want to keep it light, so I don't always want to. I, that's my way of mixing it up. So yeah, no right or wrong answer, but especially as photographers, isn't that why we're photographers? Because we're creative. So show your creativity in ways beyond photography, um, maybe through your personality, through your clients, through your everyday life. What Again, whatever works for you, you find yeah. that. Well, and to be clear, I mean, entertainment can be valuable in its own way as well. I, I don't want to minimize that. 
But um, sure. at the end of the day, I mean, how many videos do we all need to watch with somebody talking, you know, with their chin close to the lens about just the most <laughs> random thing in the world? I mean, it, like I get the idea of introducing the world to who you are behind the scenes, but let's let's make sure that we are adding value. And I, and I love that you that you emphasize that. One last question here on this topic, though. How do you and in fact, I think you just alluded to it when you're shooting while you're shooting. So you're shooting stories during the day as you're photographing. How do you do so without getting in the way of focusing on the primary task at hand? Like I said, I've just, I've practiced so much okay. making these, these little stories. So it's an easy flow when I catch a moment or just see something special that I want to share, you know, a lot for me, it's a lot of families that I shoot and I, I see these small moments of just something really unique that you get a glimpse into. And I don't even know that everyone else sees it like, well, of course, no one else sees it like I do. We all have our own perspective. And so when I catch those things, that's what I want to share, like my perspective of why I thought this moment was beautiful, not just in photos, but um, on video too. So I'll, you know, like clients will watch me. They've already seen me probably before they shoot with me on my stories. And I think some people are like, want to be on my stories just because it, it is cute. You want to be a part of that and it's fun. So yeah, I'll just like, I'll be in, I'll, I'll take my professional picture and then just ask to uh, wait, this is so cute. Can I capture this on my, my iPhone or a video? And usually everyone's always cool with it. And then taking this back to your original question or one of your original questions about confidence. I think once I've moved into my session, people are feeling more confident. And so they're not so shy in front of the camera anymore. Uh, and like, yeah, now I do want to be a part of this next level on this little video, no big deal, but yep. it's still like something different for them. So I, it's special to me to be able to kind of move people through this point of walking up or walking into my studio and, you know, nervous or whatever they may be into. Yes. Put me in front of the video. camera. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I, this is a great way, a great point at which I can give a shout out to all your Instagram accounts because you do have a few of them, but one is Jennifer Garcia, G A R C I A underscore film. Yes. Um, and then spark studios, OC, just like it sounds, yes. no spaces. And then Jen CYK photography, all one yes. word, lowercase. And yes. we'll put all of these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com as Thank well. So you. everybody can follow along. Uh, by the way, I mean, it almost goes without saying, but just really beautiful work, like very bright. I, I was really captured by, uh, and you had this in more than one account, but on your Jen, uh, let's see, it's a Jen, yes. C, do you say Jen CYK? CYK. Or CYK yeah. photography? Okay, I just want to make sure I said that correctly. Thank you. <laughs> but on, on that Instagram account, um, the photo of the, the three women, um, is that two daughters and, and a mother? Yes. Oh, my word. It, they're just beautiful women, first of all, and, and then the similarities, but to capture the generations, uh, if you will. I think it was really, really well done. Aww. Thank you for pointing out because that's something that's really important to me that I'm moving a direction I'm moving into because I feel like we, especially, like I said, we're in a suburb, a suburb area. So you capture little kids and their moms. That's typical, but you forget to capture women my age and our moms. And I had done that. I'd done a shoot with my mom. I just, I have this vision that this needs to happen and there's no niche for it. So I'm going to create that. Um, so I started with my mom and then slowly I've been shooting more of them and just the, the joy it brought me to see that photo of my mom and I, it's timeless. And I, she's not going to be here forever. I lost my dad a few years ago. Mm. So I don't, I don't have the opportunity to shoot those pictures with my dad. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I, I want him with my mom. I'm, I'm looking at one right now as I'm talking to you, I framed it, put it out and framed it. So I wanted to give that to, um, other people. And I'm so excited about those photos. And one thing I did on that shoot, actually, I did have someone come in and film behind the scenes of us creating it because that's another way I want to share 
Mike's your experience with me and just, you know, so people can see what it's going to look like. Yeah. So I'm wrapping up that edit right now with my video editor and I'm excited to share the behind the scenes of that, that session and what it looks like in the result. And at the end, I did a little, little interview with the mom and the daughters and I got a little t- from the mom, which was just so special because it is that special to be in this moment and be touching your daughters and hugging your daughters and holding hands with them. That's not something you do, you know, everyone does as an adult. So yeah, it was just, it's really special. So I'm excited to bring more of those to life. Well, for those of you who are listening in, you're curious. If you, first of all, go to the Gen CYK photography account and go to September 12th, Uh, There's a beautiful image of these three women. And then speaking of that behind the scenes footage, uh, if you go to Spark Studios OC, September 15th, there's a post, a video post, kind of a BTS uh, there on September 15th, you can check out as well. So we'll, we'll try to link to these in the show notes so you can find them easily. But Let's let's kind of move on to our primary point of conversation, if you will, yes. talking about <laughs> taking a risk or taking your next risk. Yes. And um, I, I'd like to set the tone for this conversation, give a little bit of context to it. So let's first talk about the idea of risk. And I'm curious to get your perspective. What does this word risk mean to you? Yeah, I thought a lot about that. And that's a that's a good question because it's it's hard to define, right? Risk is taking an action or making a move that leaves you with the potential to fail. Ah, okay. That's interesting. So when yeah. you talk about the idea of I mean, I know there's this has also been a point of conversation quite a bit in culture lately, but do you think that there is something like failure? Is it a is it a mistake? Is it a total failure? Is it an opportunity? I mean, how would you normally frame it? Or do you like to frame it as failure kind of to the extreme? Well, it's interesting you ask that because no, I hate the word failure. I think it's ridiculous because technically nothing is a failure. However, for me, the loss of money, hmm. that's very hard to stomach. The potential sure. to lose money that I will not recoup. Yes, will have I have I will I have learned from the experience? Absolutely. Will I have grown? Yes. Will I have gone another direction? Yes. And will I have gotten out of a situation that I wasn't meant to be in? Yes. However, the thought of not recouping money, like it, it shakes my core. <laughs> to me, that's like that failure hurts. So um that that's kind of that's the place I really see failure in a monetary aspect. Mm. But when you look at the things surrounding it and kind of what you'll gain from the experience of quote unquote failing. It's not failing, it's growing. It, it is true. And, and it is all in how we frame things in the end, which is really a great segue to my next question, which has to do with the way that we assign this word risk to particular situations. Because, um, and I'm not sure exactly why this bothers me so much, but uh, referencing social media, again, Facebook, you scroll through Facebook uh, or Instagram and we have a tendency, at least in American culture in 2019, to just kind of blow things way out of proportion. We use these very grandiose words and make things worse than they actually are. And I, for whatever reason, I tend to go to somebody who is in the military, you know, in, in a battle situation. And, I, and people talk about being scared or terrified or something being risky or any of these kind of dramatic words. And I'm like, really, really, that that thing is risky to you. Somebody <laughs> risked their life in battle. That's that's real risk. This right. is like this You're is a joke in comparison. Right. So I only I only say that just to kind of frame the conversation again because I think it's important too that when we talk about this idea of taking risk, if we frame it to the extreme, if we if we treat it with such extreme language, 
uh, Tony Robbins talks about how you know, the words that we use, whether it's conscious or subconscious, kind of it tends to frame the situation for ourselves as we get into it. And that can really affect how we feel, uh, how we think and how we feel and then ultimately act. So what percent of this risk that we take in business as entrepreneurs, as photography business owners is innate versus kind of assumed or projected upon? Right. Well, I think that's going to vary from risk to risk. Number one, for me in this particular situation, there's a very real risk when it comes to financial loss. And so I have to step back and say, what is my worst case scenario? Mm. I lose the money I've invested. I can't pay the mortgage on my house and I'm homeless. That is literally my worst <laughs> case scenario. Okay. So that's Speaking really of the extreme. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I have to go that direction. Having said all that, if that happens to me, if I take this risk and those things happen to me, will I survive? And my answer is yes. And so I move forward with that. So there, there's, there's absolutely a level of, you know, actual risk that is involved. And is it life-threatening? No. Would I rather have it a monetary risk versus a health risk? Risk? Absolutely. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. No. I, I think it begins to, and and maybe I should tie in with that question. Why does this differentiation matter? And, and really, it's. I, I mean, I really answered that already. It's if it's all in how we frame a situation, it, it changes our mentality, which again changes our feelings, which changes the way that we engage with the situation. I just think it's important to acknowledge what is truly risky and what is and risky to the extreme extent and and what is manageable, even if the worst case scenario plays out, like you pointed out, Jennifer, right. that at the end you're you're gonna be okay. You can you can rely right. on friends or family to help you out <laughs> temporarily and you're gonna push through it and you'll be all right. Uh, and I just think it's important to frame whatever we we are terming a risk uh, accordingly, and I think it will enable us in many cases to be able to to take that leap to go for it, which really is a great segue to my next question, which is, and you've already kind of alluded to it, what was the big risk that you took recently in your business? Yes, well, thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> So I recently opened a photography studio and I opened it, of course, for myself to shoot in, but I saw it as a much, much bigger picture. There was a hole in the area I live in, in Orange County, of no photography studios for photographers and brands to shoot in. And they were all in LA. So all of Orange County photographers had to drive. And I just, I saw a hole for two years and I understood why it wasn't filled. And it was because the lack of locations for the specific needs I had within the studio, they just didn't exist. And so I'd been looking and looking. And as soon as I found the space that I just knew was meant for me, I said, this is it and let's do it. So I opened the photography studio. It's called Spark Studios. And it's just brought so much joy to my life, but not only me, more importantly, so many other people who have reserved the space and rented it on a daily basis. So it's a natural light studio, which is another special thing because there were no natural light spaces in Orange County. They were all meant for strobes, which is fine and necessary, but there's a lot of people who don't shoot with lighting. Yeah. So to have created the space and filled this hole is just, it's something I'll never, I'll just have endless gratitude for. You know, I love that you use um, this phrase, kind of filling the hole because this is another and maybe a, a way that I should explore further discussing the idea of brand position to begin with because I think part of yeah. part of maybe the 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 mind block if you will that happens a lot of times when I bring up this topic with photographers is maybe I'm not using the right metaphor or the words to describe what a brand position is but 
another way to look at brand position is when we talk about doing something that's distinct, another kind of the other way around is to look for an opportunity in the market that hasn't been filled. So I'm really glad that you bring this up. You saw an opportunity a service that wasn't being offered by anybody else. And you, mm-hmm. you jumped in there and took advantage of the opportunity. And this is a great example of a way that you can naturally and very quickly create a distinct brand position because you're offering somebody that is something that literally nobody else in the market is, is offering. So I just wanted to highlight that really quickly. But what led to, I know this is something that you're really excited about and you saw a business opportunity. Were there other reasons that led to taking this big of a leap? Absolutely. Um, so this is me being very vulnerable and honest. There were a couple of things. Number one, I just didn't feel challenged. Hmm. I felt like I hit a wall with photography and I couldn't do any better than I already was. I didn't want to shoot more. I can only raise my prices so much. It just, it just, I hit a wall and I needed a bigger challenge, a different challenge. And I think that was the number one driving force. And then number two, I just really craved change but yeah. I didn't want to go out and do a total career change because I've worked so hard and, you know, spent 10 years building this business. I wanted to stay somewhere in here, but those two things had been on my mind for a couple of years. And I just, I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled and nothing was going to change unless I changed it. So I had to take those steps to figure out how I could rewrite the story within the book I already started. I want to give you major props here because I, I just naturally have a lot of respect for what you represent here. You've discussed you. you've discussed this um, kind of throughout the podcast. It, you, a little while ago, you touched on the significance of evolving, and and just now you mentioned a couple of things. One, you didn't feel challenged, and you wanted change. A lot of times, particularly creatives, but I guess business owners in general can be quite risk averse and change averse. And um, those who are willing to flex and to flow and to realize the, the significance of growth and change and actually taking variety on and, and the kind of the, the dynamics of something in our life changing, something we're not used to, having to learn a new skill or skill set. Uh, this actually embracing all of these things can make a big difference, not only in the the making our life interesting to begin with, but then also enabling us to move forward in business to a level that, that we couldn't have previously. And right. I think that we all can take you as an example, Jennifer, as, as um, someone who is willing to embrace these things and as a result is able to move forward with their business. Op- open to evolution, open Absolutely. to change, open to being challenged. I, I think we all can stand to, to take this as a great example and reminder. So I appreciate you sharing that. But talk to me about the, the risk, coming back to the idea of risk. When you were considering the possibility of opening the studio, did risk, this idea of risk, keep you from acting sooner? No, not in this case. What kept me from acting sooner was that I couldn't find the right space. So I had, I looked and I'd stepped in a number of spaces, but in my gut, I knew they just weren't it. So could I have taken the risk and move forward with one of those? Yes. But I just, I knew deep down, I always follow my intuition. This is, this is not going to pan out. This just isn't for me. Hmm. Or when, of course, when I found this, the studio that is Spark Studios and now, I mean, I walked into it and it was like a dark dated office space. It had cubicles crammed in this small space. The walls were blue. The carpet was dark. But like I stepped in there and I saw the way the light hit and I just, you have that feeling that, you know, so for me, it, you know, I, I was kind of, I was open to 
risk all along the way, but I pulled the trigger. I couldn't pull the trigger because the reasons were beyond me. And I, you know, on that same note, I had to follow all these other things I believe in, which is like timing and patience and just wait for what's meant to be will come to you. And it was not easy because it would have been much easier to say, yeah, let's just go with this. This works, this works. But I didn't want to do that. This is too big. I didn't, this is already a risk, you know, for the, when I say risk, I think the biggest risk is financial because of course I have an investment to um, open the studio and then time, you know, I, I invested the money, but then I have to back it up with my time, which is, you only have so much. So yeah, it, it was things beyond me. I feel like that kept me fr- from acting sooner and I'd are, but, but well, one thing this makes me think about going back to kind of my evolution, I'd been practicing taking little risks along the way. And I think that's what leads you to these, these big risks that you're okay with t- taking. So it wasn't like, okay, here we go. This is huge. I can't believe it. It wasn't that scary because I'd already been taking little risks along the way, starting with quitting my my full-time job to be a photographer solely. And so those are the smaller practices that you continue over time that help you get to a place where it's it's like, okay, you know, I, I've practiced this already. Yeah, I'll take this big one. Looks it just looks a little bigger than the other ones. <laughs> Yeah, but making it a making it a habit to take even small risks enables you to develop that muscle, and that that really is yes. such an important idea. I, I'm curious though. You mentioned that you had to weigh um, the opportunities at hand with what your end goals were in mind, and I'm, I know I'm kind of rewording it there. But when you were talking about when to actually take the leap, when to go ahead and say, "Okay, this is the studio. I'm going to go mm-hmm. for it," versus doing it anytime sooner when you may have had other opportunities that just didn't mm-hmm. seem like the right fit, the right timing. How did you gauge whether or not it was the right fit or the right timing? Because I have a, uh, again, we seem quite similar here. I have the ability to take the leap, uh, but I think sometimes I tend to maybe jump in a little bit too quick without, Mm. I'm not a great planner. um, So Mm. the the attention to detail is missing many times and my efforts can suffer as a result. So how do you balance what is best timing wise or or otherwise uh, with taking that leap? Right. Well, I will say I'm a calculated risk taker. Okay. So I have to know the facts. I won't, I will not jump into it. And if, if my gut is really nervous about it, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, it's scary and I always have fear and I'm nervous about things, but I push through those things. But if it's, if it's just too much, I have to go with that and I have to understand that. So, but let's take that, I'll make it a calculated risk. Let's understand all the factors. So for example, one of the studios I looked at prior to getting this, or one of the spaces that I looked at, um, I shot in there because I, I needed to see how it felt. It was too, it was really narrow and that concerned me, but I thought, you know, we can make it work. I can make it work because the light is so beautiful in here, the natural light. But then also it didn't have parking spaces. It didn't have air conditioning It had all these things I really disliked. So to accept those would have been me pushing priorities aside. And I wasn't Mm. willing to do that because I knew I'd rather wait for something that had those things that I knew would be important, not only to me, but the people who are paying to rent the space. And um, so this was the payoff of me waiting. And as far as timing, again, that's just a practice in patience. I had to be patient and know that if it's meant to be, it's going to effortlessly come. And there were moments when I'm, I'm like, no, that's not true. This is it. But I really did hold firm to that because this was such a big venture. And I, the, the growth I you know, envisioned for it is so big that I, I had to wait for that perfect little platform to start building on. And that's what this was. Would you say just to sum it up that maybe just knowing what it is that you want very clearly, very specifically before 
you begin exploring is, is really important? Yeah, definitely. It's kind of almost like a relationship when, you know, if if you're looking for a relationship, you check, you have all these things that are so important to you yeah. and, and I want this, this, and this, and then your list becomes really long. And like, <laughs> it's so oh, true. Is that realistic? <laughs> no, yeah. what you have to do is go back to like your top few things yep. that matter most yeah. and really commit to those. And it's okay not to waver on those ones, stick to those and find what meets those, that criteria for just those few top things, hmm. everything else you can work around, but there are those main priorities that you have to be true to. Oh, I love that. Oh, it sounds like another podcaster too. We could get into there. <laughs> One other question. You, you mentioned the financial risk being for you the biggest risk. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that that me personally, both because of the way that I, I was brought up in, in a family that didn't have any money, and then also because of poor financial decisions earlier on in my entrepreneurial career for quite some time, I, I just didn't do well financially. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm I I'm almost like that that hoarder that's like holding on to everything and taking financial risks occasionally is is okay but I'm trying to be ultra careful uber careful to make sure that I'm managing money well and and you know planning for the future and all this stuff. So how did you have a personal experience with finances that led to this being such a priority that you're really ultra careful with your finances? And did you change the way that you manage your finances to to more proactively be kind of financially responsible as a business owner? You know, I feel like I've always been some pretty financially responsible. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not frugal, but I'm also not, I don't spend abundantly. For me, it was well, let me give you just a definite example. I had, I have money in my savings and that cushion just gives me security. I never touched it. It just sat there and it made me feel happy to know that that number was in my bank. And so then the studio came along. So this is really, this is very real. Now I have to touch that savings. Sure. So now I have to choose what's more important to me, having that number sitting in an account or having a life that like brings so much joy that I couldn't even imagine. Mm. And I chose the joy and I'm still, I have a long way to recoup the money. That's, you know, it's a very real investment, but I would not change it for anything because like this feeling inside of accomplishment of joy of gratitude, that money didn't, it didn't get me. I had it sitting there for a long time. So you, you, you go back to priorities. What's more important to you. And some people will say that number in the bank and that's fine. So, but for me, it was the joy and I'll sit in this any day over that number in the bank. And I know, I also knew though, that taking that number out of the bank and moving it into my studio it's going to sit in my studio for a little while, sure. but that's going to propel me forward. It's going to recoup itself and it's going to afford me so many other amazing opportunities yeah. that I just I wouldn't have access to otherwise. Yep. Thinking big picture. I love that. And, yep. and again, going back to, as you said, to letting that set of values drive the decision making. And for those of you listening in, I mean, this is a great reminder. Again, we talk about this idea of the big picture view quite a bit on the podcast. And what we're really talking about is establishing a set of values personally that then drives not only your personal life, but the business model that you create and the decisions that you make therein and how you spend your time and resources. It's really important to have that baseline set of values established and that'll help act as a guidepost um, through everything that you do. It's really, really important. This is a great reminder of that. Just to kind of finish up our conversation though, Jennifer, do you, mm-hmm. I know that you mentioned to me before we started recording that there were a couple of things that, that you did to step beyond risk and take action. I mean, in, in general, this was a pretty big risk as you alluded to. What were those yes. couple of ideas that enabled you to make that move? 
Well, I think first I didn't force anything. Hmm. I, I let I let things evolve as they were supposed to be. And there were moments I wanted to force things, but I didn't. But more importantly, I think the biggest thing I did was I was always moving forward. I was always taking steps that would push me in a direction I wanted to go. And to be honest, a number of years back, I didn't know where that direction was, but I knew I wasn't there. And I knew I had to find my way there. And it's not just magically going to appear always, you know, do this, go this way. This is your path. No, you have to find it. And so I was always taking steps in a new direction that I thought would move me forward. And if that one particular step didn't get me anywhere, they led me to the next open door that was the correct door. So yeah, always be moving forward. And that's, that's how I believe you move places in life. Oh, that's good. And it makes me think of, I I recently saw a video that uh, Gary Vaynerchuk put out on his YouTube channel um, about this very idea of choice and, you know, talking about how we put so much significance on the choices that we make that it ultimately is debilitating. We we keep from making that choice. I Mm. love the point that you make, and he echoed it in his video, which is make a choice. And if you need a course correct, you can. We put so much weight on making the perfect choice up front. Make it intelligently, as you also alluded to, Jennifer. But but then ultimately, if you have to course correct down the road, you can, but keep moving forward. And oh, this is, it's such a good, you know, this actually takes me back to another video too. I actually made uh, for Instagram couple, three years ago, when I, when I first took motorcycle lessons, riding lessons, this is a few years back, um, there was a theme in the class and they were the, the instructor instructors were talking about the significance of moving forward with a motorcycle. If you've never ridden a motorcycle before, there's maybe this tendency to be like, Oh shoot, I need to keep this thing upright. And of course it's hilarious. It's a hilarious idea that, you know, somebody who weighs a fraction, the amount of this <laughs> 500, 600 pound motorcycle is going to try to keep it upright. What they emphasize is rather than trying to control this thing, just keep moving forward yeah. and everything is going to be okay. And it's it's amazing how beautifully balanced the motorcycles are, even if they're moving two, three, four miles an hour and you don't have to worry about that thing falling over. But the, the key is that you are moving forward and everything's yes. going to be okay. So that's a great reminder. And we'll link to actually, we'll link to that Instagram post and to Gary's video in the show notes. But then um, I want to get back to what you talked about, not forcing anything. Can you describe in a little bit more detail what that means? Yes. So going back to how I said, I, I literally shot in this other space that I was considering for a studio. And there was a huge part of me that wanted to move forward just because, or wanted to, uh, you know, build that space out to the studio I have now, just because I, I wanted that change. I thought this, this is it. This could, this could be it. This will change your whole path right now. And that was, I think that maybe that, no, it was at the end of 2018. I opened the studio in um, June of 2019. So at the end of 2018, I shot in that space. There, Like I said, there was a big part of me that wanted to move forward, but I just knew for all those factors, I couldn't do it. And if I, looking back, had I had forced it, it would have made things really hard for various reasons. Now that I see how my studio is up and running, how people use it, you know, the things they like about it, it just wouldn't have put me in a good place. And so I always try to like keep record of these things in my head, those moments when I was ready to push things, but then you're, you're past it. So you can look back at the outcome and see that, wow, look where you would have been. If you would have did that, you would not have been in this great situation now. So always trying to take heed from the lessons you've learned in the past. And for me, knowing that, you know, not to force it. And I, I try to apply that in everything in life, whether it's from relation to relationships, other financial moves and whatnot. I've just, that really taught me 
this late in life, even, I mean, I'm not that old, but, um, you know, my late thirties, you're still learning all these things. And so, yeah, for me, don't, don't force things, whatever realm of life it is, if you force it, you're not going to be in the best situation that you could be if you would just let things evolve in their own timing. Easier said than done, but I'm doing my best. It's true. The last thing I want to do is get into kind of and again a supernatural conversation here, but it's it's hard not to 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 notice sometimes that like the universe seems to be at play and things seem to be going really well and smooth and the doors seem to be opening and it's like, all right, let's take that path. And other times it doesn't seem to be going as smoothly. The doors don't seem to be open. And obviously these these are very subjective experiences. You can read into them and, and ultimately create something that's not there. But I guess all that said, how do you balance knowing that, okay, this thing shouldn't be forced with, you know what, it's it's a little bit difficult, but if I just push through on the other side, there's something great. How do you know the difference? Well, I think I have to offer one piece of like my backstory, which is I've, I've gone through the death of my father. I've gone through a, a just not good marriage, a, a yucky divorce. And that was the last 10 years of my life. Mm. So I spent the last 10 years in a miserable place, like just trying to survive, just trying to like get through each day from these tragedies that happened. Yeah. And I spent all the, I felt like that whole time, all the doors were closed, nothing opened, nothing was going my way for 10 years. That's mm. a decade yes. of life that was tumultuous. Yeah. So having said that, I learned so much through those times. And like when you've gone, your perspective really shifts when you go through any kind of trauma. And so you, you're able to see the world differently. You're able to slow things down, I think, and look more retrospectively should you have chosen to evolve. And so I, I'm able to look back at like what the last 10 years brought me. And I, you know, some of the situations were beyond my control. Some of them were in my control and I don't ever want to be back in these situations that brought my life down so bad mm. um, now that I'm here. So I take these lessons and I choose to apply them where I am currently. So all that to say, you know, it's not like doors have been opening, doors have been opening. No, I've spent 10 years of them not opening. <laughs> like, but I was setting myself up during that time to start having things open, to start having things come to me, yeah. to start having like to get where I'm supposed to be. So yeah, does that answer your question? <laughs> well, I mean, I wish, to be frank, I wish. I wish that there was a simple answer. Like you could give me the definitive <laughs> guide to, to know when to do what to do, right? I mean, we all wish that we had that. But I, I love that you've been introspective and that you've learned from your experiences. Um, I, I, again, can very much relate to you. I think there was a segment, I know there was a segment of my life there um, actually, similarly, for about a decade or maybe even a little bit more, where things were really, really high stress and yeah. there was a lot of conflict to work through and um, on multiple levels. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't actually learn from those things, take the lessons learned and then apply accordingly in order to, to your earlier point, move forward, to continue to move forward, be proactive. Uh, then we're missing out. So again, kudos to you, props Definitely. to you for taking those lessons and, and learning you. from them and moving forward. Uh, I think we should be new best friends. I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like we can relate on so many different uh, levels, but I really appreciate you sharing with all of our community today. And, yes, thank um, you so much. No, 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 it's really, it's my privilege. And if you don't mind just sharing with everybody listening in your website and social media, just one more time so that they can easily find you online, that would be great. Sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm Jen C Y K photography. It's J E N C Y K photography. And then in my profile links to all my other, um, profiles and you'll see the studio on there. So, and then my website is Jen C Y K.com. 
Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And uh, for those of you listening in, make sure to take advantage of the show notes. There was a lot of, uh, first of all, there were a lot of resources shared. Uh, we'll link to those as well as the talking points from today. Take advantage of the show notes at bocapodcast.com and have a lovely day. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.